What's up, world, and welcome back to the Vibes and Stuff Podcast, where hip-hop heads discuss hip-hop topics. On this episode, the crew will review episode three of the Netflix documentary Genius, based on the rise and career of Kanye West. Then, to mark the 25th anniversary of the passing of Notorious B.I.G., the crew will share their favorite Biggie verses and songs, and also why we enjoy them. Then for our face-off, we'll be putting Hitler Wears Hermes 7 by Westside Gun against Bandana by Freddie Gibbs and Mad Lib. So with that, please kick back and enjoy the show. Yo, what's what's going on? (laughs) Dark skin Jermaine, see what I mean? (laughs) Somebody was gonna get it. (laughs) What's good with you, bro? We out here. Know it. Know it. Still dodging the Rona, man. They acting like they don't want to at the gig. They just, uh, you know, I mean, I guess the masks are kind of gone away pretty much everywhere. But they hit us with some some new policies around the wrong at work. I'm like, y'all don't make no sense with what you're talking about. But I, preventative I'm going to wear mine. <laughs> preventative um, policies or or they rolling stuff? No, back. rolling stuff back. Which I'm I, I'm fine with rolling stuff back, but. Um, you know, in different parts of the state, it's you know it's hot in some spots and, and others is not. So, you know, they roll back the policies based on what you know what the what the numbers are in your area. And if you you work in a hot spot, you got to keep certain uh, contingencies in place. And so, where I work, I service people from all over the state. So my question was, well. If somebody from a hot part of the state comes to see me, mm-hmm. do they need to mask up when they when they roll up in here? So my boss was like, I'm not sure. She got back to me. They like, nah, it, it you only have to, you only got to wear a mask if you are in the area where it's hot. I'm like, come on now, this is <laughs> this is not this is not wise. Let's <laughs> sharpen up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it's gonna be interesting to see what happens over the next couple of months with this. I mean, like where I'm at, you know, who who still wears their masks and who don't? It's pretty much divided along color lines, man. And oh, yeah. I, where was I at? Oh, I was at the movies, and every black and brown person in there was still masked up, and every white person was in there raw dog in the air, you know. And I don't know if that's just, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like I don't know if, if that's reflective of, of uh, I don't know, political ideologies or <clears throat> reflective of, uh, <clears throat> of um, you know, the, the, the disparities in, in uh, health care, too. Some people, sure if they get both. Yeah, if they get it, they're they going to be all right. But other people, people who don't have insurance, people who might have underlying 
uh, pre-existing conditions, you know, like are t- still taking it, you know, a little more seriously. I'm still going to be masked up until at least the summer. Absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm I got to be around people. Yeah. Yeah. I got I get me too for my job. I got to be around people. So, you know, <clears throat> I'm going to stay tuned to positivity rates and, you know, case, you know, case counts and whatnot. Let's just say I'm going to do my own research. <laughs> <laughs> Go to uh, youtube.com backslash big Africa. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right, man. Real quick, man. We got one little news nugget to get to, man. Uh, while we waiting on uh, a couple other people. Um, did you hear that the rapper Bow Wow came out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny already. The, the rapper Bow Wow came out and announced that he is going to record his last rap album on Death Row Records and, and release it through Death Row Records because he wanted to, quote, close my music career out where it began. And he allegedly has reached out to Snoop and Snoop has reached out to him and they're, they're moving forward with plans to do this. What do, what do you think about this move? Do you think it's first of all well i'll just get a floor to you i'll just get a floor to you i mean who's checking for a bow wow album at this point yeah Yeah. (laughs) nobody cares and he knows that like he's been you know does he know it does he know that though i think he i think he does that's why i keep doing all these stunts the last few years like he's done and said some wild stuff to get him in the news like he's been around the entertainment industry long enough to know how it works and there's really not a bad, you know, sort of publicity that you can get as long as the people are talking. So I think that he's said and done things to do that. Because if not for this, who who was asking about a Bow Wow album? That's my thing. But now, but now we're talking about it, right? Because he, he, you know, Snoop did the deal with Death Row and he's like, yo, I'm going to get the people talking again. Yeah, we're, we're talking about it. But like, we're doing a podcast. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't. I don't think. The, I don't think the average person out there, like like Bow Wow, has got to be one of the most least self aware niggas in the industry. Like, you, you were talking about the stuff he he was doing in, in you know past years before to kind of stay relevant, posting these these pics that were clearly photoshopped, claiming he's flying first class when he was like in coach and on Spirit or and stuff like that like i think he does that because in his head he still has a rap career but even when he had a rap career bro you are a novelty act you you were you were manufactured to sell records to preteen girls right and it worked and that's fine you know what i mean but the ride is over to try to hit your wagon to death row i don't know man maybe he's chasing some sort of credibility too What's going on, Reggie? What's up, Vince? What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? Y'all buying that new Bow Wow album on Death Row? Um, no. I never bought a Bow Wow album. <laughs> I'll listen to I, it. I, I don't. I, I'll, I'll pass, man. Hard pass. He, he oh, I'll listen. That. I'll listen to it, but I ain't buying it. I'm, I'm not even wasting my time listening to it. I mean, I, there's nothing Bow Wow has to say to me that I, I need to hear. I'm just not nah, sorry. I'm good. I'm hey, good. but in a way, in a in a way, it's kind of he start he started he started with Snoop and he ended with Snoop. So that's that's what he said. 
he was signed to death row, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't know. He never released nothing. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, he he never released nothing. Um, I think which is why Snoop gave him the Jermaine Dupri. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Initially, yeah, I think he was signed to death row, so to speak. So maybe it's a surreal moment for him, I guess, in terms of ending his rap career. Think his rap career already ended, though. That's the (laughs) yeah. Yeah, this is like it's like Jalen Rose, you know, coming back to the league. I'm about to retire, dog. You ain't played in ten years. What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. It's like everybody knows it's over for him, but him. And it's it's you know they they say it's that way with athletes too. When it's over for them, they, they're always the last to know. And it's just like, bro, what are you doing? Like like no, nobody's checking for you. And even when they were checking for you, like. You were a novelty act, and then when you got older, you lacked you lacked the originality and the talent to even reinvent yourself. Like he didn't pull a Little Wayne, where he like, you know what I'm saying? When he just like worked on his worked on his bars for a good four or five years, and then resurfaced, you know, as this completely new and improved artist. Like he just he's just who he always is. It's like he he uses downtime to do reality shows that really have no significance in the culture but i don't know i think the dude is delusional you know i mean if, if snoop's gonna do a good look and sign him for a little one one album deal and i don't know maybe that'll get him some some sales or streams or whatever but i i think i think he's terribly delusional but um that's neither here nor there but uh let's get into this show man um genius the Netflix documentary about the rise of Kanye West, uh, directed by his um, his longtime friend Kude and Cootie and Chike, and um, we we did our review of episodes one and two last week, and this week we're gonna we're gonna you know wrap it all up and, and share our our reviews and reaction to episode three, uh, Awakening, uh, that dropped last week as well. So. Uh, we, we talked thoroughly about what, what went down in episodes one and two. It's, it's no need to rehash it. So I'm going to just I'm going to do a roundtable and get a floor up to you guys and, and ask y'all what was y'all's reaction to episode three? Did it did it um, deliver on what you thought you were going to get? And how did it how did it fit in the whole series all together? And um, and did you enjoy it? So first, I, I give it up to you, Vince. Uh did you get to check it out? What was your reaction, and 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 how did you enjoy it? If if you enjoyed it, well, like I said, I I love the uh, whole thing as an entirety. But uh, the third episode was the worst one to me. Um, but I I still liked it. It's just that man Kanye looked very very what's the word I'm looking for very. I just say he looked crazy. Uh, <laughs> and he looked like he looked like he just he was looking for a way or for someone to help reel him back in, but he didn't he couldn't really find it. So he had to almost just go with what other people were saying would help him. So you know he got on the meds and all of that stuff. But with that being said, you can still see that this man had some genius within him or uh, talent because while he's going through all of this like his his mom passing is what 
took him off the edge because she was his anchor. Once she once she went away, he kind of like alienated himself from the people he started with. Because, you know, Cootie was saying he didn't see him for six years. And um, I believe like if he had kept himself around some of those people, they, they would have been able to help him a little bit. But by the time they got back around him, he had already been tarnished by uh, the celebrity world to the point where it wasn't really no going back. But I mean, overall, overall, it was uh, it was interesting to see him see the see him in another lens, <laughs> literally, actually. But it was um, it was cool to see that. You didn't just see like what the media was letting you see. You got to see him behind, you know, the media, or you got to see him as far as how he actually was, after, you know, behind all of the bravado. And that's what I think was the coolest part of it overall. And I believe it or not, I actually liked the stuff about Cootie and the stuff he had going on in his life. That was yeah, that was, that was cool to see too. Yeah, I got some stuff about that in my notes, too. Re- Reggie, man, what did you think of uh, episode three? Well, what did you think of the whole thing, really? Because you never got a chance to share your thoughts on episodes one and two. But did you get a chance to uh, kind of catch up? And, and, and if so, what was what was your impression? Um, so I had so, uh, zoned out a little bit. I hadn't, I hadn't watched it, so I didn't want it to be spoiled for me. <laughs> but... Oh. Uh, in terms of watching one and two, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, I think uh, I think the way it was filmed was quite interesting in, in the sense that it wasn't um, a documentary in the aspect of like getting interviews and um, getting people's thoughts of that time period. More so, it was actually actually uh, capturing the time period in real time, so to speak. And it was able to be played out in a way that um, it felt like you were there, you know what I'm saying, during those times in that moment, but yet still telling a story. So I thought I thought they did an excellent job in directing it and editing the footage and things of that sort. Um, you know, me and you spoke briefly about it, it just, it just brings me back to like, you know, that, that time period, um, just, you know, specifically one and two of just uh, kind of being around um, it a little bit from uh, the perspective of the artist that um, Kanye kept referring to um, in terms of like what he was doing back home and how like people were counting on him and things of that sort. Like uh, uh, the dude GLC um, when in 99 when a lot of that stuff was taking place and uh, you know, 98, the truth, all that stuff is coming out. His partner or one of his friends at the time, um, they were working at the store in the plaza. And so we used to be in there all the time. I mean, shopping and him looking out for us because we was in high school trying to be fresh. And we were spending a lot of money on top of it. So I'm pretty sure that helped. But um, um, him just saying, like, man, I got this guy, man. Like, the homie, we about to make it, we about to blow. You know what I'm saying? Like giving us mixtapes at that time. They was with the go-getters. It just, you know, it was just surreal, like to see all the behind the scenes of all that. Because at that time, you know, you looking like, oh, okay, like 
And that's dope. Like, okay, but man, you still give me this discount. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> I can't afford it. You know what I'm saying? Um, so, um, this is again, it's just interesting like to see all that transpire behind the scenes and all the stuff that he was going through um, in the midst of those two years or three years that we were like still in high school and like actually like, um, you know, like still talking to, to GLC and things of that sort. So I thought that was pretty dope, man. Um, it definitely gives you a level of uh, respect for Kanye in the sense that, uh, man, he grinded, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. a lot of people counted them out, you know what I'm saying? Um, I thought it was dope how um, it showed like his mom was the voice of reason a lot of things or, or give him like his affirmation, telling him to keep going. Um, but I just thought that was that was uh, dope, and it's just kind of interesting to see too, like not not just him, you know. what I'm saying a lot of artists back then, you know, what I'm saying that like finally popped in like the 2000s, like they grinded, you know, what I'm saying prior to. You know what I mean? Like before they actually, you know, broke through and made it to the masses. And they worked hard to do that. And it's just kind of, uh, I don't know if it, you know, if it resonates with, you know what I'm saying, uh, folks like today who it seems like they get instant fame off, you know, viral videos or viral TikToks. You know what I'm saying? But, right. Or, or, or artists that all of a sudden feel entitled that other artists should work with. Them. You know what I'm saying? I've been seeing that a lot online where, people who like they all of a sudden start to get a little buzz they be reaching out to their idol and when they don't get um a response they start like wilding on it and um you know it's like man you gotta earn your strikes number one number two you know ain't nothing old to you you know what i mean like kanye was around all these people for a long time and yet you know and he was kind of taking them for a joke so to speak and then when the people that really matter actually did take a listen to him you know you know, it took time, you know what I'm saying? And even then, still, like, some of the rappers really rock with him, but even, you know, dang, the label still did. So, it just, you know, kind of goes to show you that, you know, these, a lot of these kids, they, you know, they need to, you know, life lessons, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And this, this, this documentary definitely is a, a testament to it, or whatever. But, so, yeah. I look forward to three. I haven't seen it yet, but, um, you know, I'm looking Ooh. forward to it. I mean, of course, we all know what, what kind of happens, but, I like to hear the perspective of where they're going with it. Yeah, we'll, we'll try not to spoil it too much for you. But well, no, I, I, I zoned out, so I, I'll, <laughs> I'll uh, mute it or whatever and, and just keep going back and forth to make sure y'all finish saying what y'all said. <laughs> There might, might be some spoilers in order. Yeah, I I, I, I appreciate your thoughts, Reggie. Just go, talking about uh, the, the the broader themes in one and two of like just it was kind of eye opening how artists had to come up and kind of had to wait their turn, and uh, you know while putting in the work. And you know if you didn't have to get up and go to continue to promote yourself like he did and film your own videos, it it probably wasn't going to happen for you back then. You know, that's just what it was. That was the industry. You know, you couldn't just right. You couldn't just have a TikTok video go viral and then people come knocking at your door. What's good, Greg? The last thing too, um, just speaking of, you know, what I'm saying, just because the fashion sense of it. Like, I also thought it was dope that like he, like, I, I appreciated the trendsetter that he is because, I mean, yeah, like rappers was always influenced influencers in terms of their like their clothing or what they were driving, what they were drinking, things that sort of but like 
Kanye actually like really changed the way people dress, not only like today, but just in the music industry period. Like he like single-handedly like started a whole movement in that regard. Cause like he said, he was like, man, these dudes is whack. Like that's dress terrible. And he kind of changed like that whole thing. I thought that was like really cool just to see how like uh, a person from Chicago, you know what I'm saying, use his own style really that's all influenced from Chicago. And like, you know what I'm saying, everybody, you know, rode their way. Right, right. Um, I got pushed back a little bit. I got pushed back a little bit. Kanye did bring that style to the mainstream lens, but it was it didn't necessarily originate with him, like with the polos and everything. Like that was more of a that was more of a Bohemian b-boy thing, like from the late '90s, if I recall correctly. No, I, w- I wasn't necessarily talking about that aspect. I was just talking about like uh, like the style of it. Like uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. Um, you know, B-Boys, I mean, when we was in high school, um, and you know, from Chaz, like, people was rocking polo all day, every day. I was just talking about more so as just it being like uh, a rapper being conscious of what they're wearing, how they're wearing it. As oh, okay, I got just you. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Looking like they just threw on some baggy jeans and a hoodie, and you know what I'm saying? Went out and about, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I was just thinking, talking about from that aspect. Because before then, it, it was like, you know, everybody was just, everything was super big. Everything was kind of like wild in terms of how people was, uh, I guess, coming up with their style. A lot of people had their stylists that was styling them, but you know, you got somebody that just, you know, he don't need no stylist. He just kind of did his own thing. Uh, I was speaking from that perspective. Now, I understand that the, the polo thing is definitely way before this time. You had low heads in New York and, you know, say even Chicago that was big on that way before that. Right, right, right. Okay, yeah, yeah, I, I got you. I got I got, I got, got what you meant. I'm going to swing it over. Before I bring it over to Greg, I'm going to swing it over to you, Jamil. Um, your, your, your thoughts on, on episode three. How did you like it? Did, did it deliver the goods like episodes one and two did? What, what were your thoughts? Um, it did what I was afraid it was going to do and it compressed a lot of time like we got uh, a much more in-depth look into the process of you know to making it a college dropout we got basically two episodes of leading up to that and then the rest of his career was squeezed into one episode so the pacing of it was was off um but i realized why now right because cootie was missing from Kanye's life for about six years yeah um I mean, I, I'm in some ways kind of glad about that because the moment that I feared never showed up, I'm not going to speak on it because I don't want to spoil, you know, anything. But uh, I didn't get to see the, the the grotesque moment that I thought we would. And I'm, I'm quite happy about that. Um, it was a couple of them, actually. Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, it was it was it was interesting. Like, I, I, I'm glad to have seen it but i do believe that i enjoyed parts one and two more but i think we got some insight into some things from from episode three so one of the things that kind of stood out one he was bogus for calling cootie chike and the first time it happened it was clearly a mistake like 
that you could blame it on alcohol or whatever. Um, and maybe even a second time he messed up, but then clearly he started doing it on purpose, which yeah, that was that awkward. Was, that was yeah, foul. That was messed up. Yeah, that, that was messed up. That was a very yeah. awkward exchange, you know. Yeah, it was. It's like, what you gonna do? You gonna still off on this dude at a grant behind a, a backstage wow. at the Grammys? Wow. Really you really wanted to? Why would you do an interview with the man after he'd been drinking? I mean, seriously drinking. That was stupid anyway. That was on him. No, that was not stupid. It was stupid. He did an interview with a dude who had been drinking all day and then he's at the party. Now he's drinking and then he come over and he like, bro, he said it. He was like, bro, you gonna have you gonna do this interview and I'm drunk? Like, why would you do that? He was invited back there. He didn't just exactly. That's fine. That's fine. You didn't have to do an interview. He wasn't the only one doing doing interviews. Like it's all types of media back there. It's the Grammys party. Bro, he was trying to do a serious interview with the man. Didn't make sense to me. He wasn't. He was just saying. I don't think it was that serious. He was doing. He was. Matter of fact, it was. It was light, lighthearted because he was. You know, let's go back to Channel Zero. It was supposed to be fun. He's like, we talking about. He he's like, we talking about Channel Zero, and I'm out here winning Grammys. He drunk. I, me personally, it was. I didn't. I didn't feel like. I don't care what y'all say. I didn't feel like it was the right time. To have that that kind of conversation that he seemingly wanted to have. All right. Well, like, even if that even if that, even if that was the case, had, I think it was just and and dudes bogus for how he played him. Like, but even if I that was the case, I didn't mean to cut you off. That's all. Good. Like, even if that was the case, if it wasn't the right time, it basically was the only time. So he, you yeah. know, he was there, but he can't control the way Kanye responds. But I, it I just it that. just it looked very bad. I just know that it looked it looked it looked very bad from a friend to friend. It's like, man, you you really doing this? Yeah, he was bogus for that. But you may be small. drunk, but you ain't that drunk. You know. ain't that drunk because you know what you're doing. Yeah, that was that was super awkward. But go, go ahead, Jamil. Um, I'm sorry. So another thing that I wanted to touch on that it, it, it came to be a little clearer to me in this episode too. Uh, Cootie was a little too close to the action, and I think that that had that came through in um, his editing, and he pretty much said as much, right? So, as a documentarian, your job is to keep the camera rolling, regardless. And when Kanye was wilding, and he was wilding, Cootie was like, "Yo, I gotta turn the camera off. Like this ain't right." And uh, and the human aspect of that, he's correct. I, I agree with that, but that's not the spirit of a documentary, right? You're supposed to record what happens and you got to tell the story with the facts. So what that told me was if that was the part that we got to see and Cootie said, yo, I'm, I'm cutting the camera off because he's wilding. What else did we not see? So as much as I, I enjoy Cootie's style, I'm like, yo, he he's too close to the subject. So I don't know as good as the project came out like what's what's left on the federal floor like what else was he too close to to be able to show the real stuff uh, so that was another thing that I, I just just question i pondered uh, another point and i think i'll get off after this one was um we know that you know the, the loss of dr west was definitely a catalyst into you know what kanye eventually kind of turned into I, I don't even know if turned into is correct just it kind of came out I think 
uh, I think Obama had a bigger impact than we're giving credit for. And here's why I say that. that. At least at least with some of his political leanings. Exactly. Exactly. So when I when I was watching him and I think what made me think this was was his um, when he was kind of emphatically agreeing with something Tucker Carlson said. I was like, yo, this dude ain't. I mean, obviously, he's got whatever mental instability he has, but he just sounds like another, you know, black conservative. And typically, those people come to those conclusions or they they find themselves in those circles because they feel as though they have been isolated by black people, usually. And I'm like, well, when was Kanye isolated by black people? Oh, wait a minute. The first black president called him a jackass on TV. That's gotta hurt, especially considering, you know, where he, where he kind of believed himself to be as part of the culture, like in the center of it. And considering who said it, when it was said, who the audience was, and the time, you know, of divisiveness in the country anyway. And his mama ain't there to reel him back in. And he got people like Malik Youssef in his ear talking stupid stuff about slavery. <laughs> um, it's it all kind of came to a head I think and I do believe that that moment with Obama definitely had a lot to do with the vocal political leanings that he started to take he like y'all I'm gonna show you and when he said about Obama which I agree with by the way that Obama had to be perfect in order to to be the president I think he made the 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 uh, mistake of saying this lack of perfection that he has versus that you know Obama appearing to have he's just deciding to go in a complete opposite direction and you know who's who's more willing to take on the the loud Negro who's going to be cool to say you know wild stuff to black people then somebody like Trump who's you know the Kanye West of the of the Republican Party quite honestly so I think it's, yeah. it's, 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 you know, Dr. West being gone was a big, big part of the, the start of the downfall, but it, it was far from the only thing. Yeah. Yeah. You, you got the, the first black president who's from your city yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, on TV calling you a jackass. That would devastate me, too. That would devastate me, too. Um, Greg, um what were your reaction what was your reaction to episode three <clears throat> did you enjoy it like you enjoyed the first two we'll get into the details in a minute but just just share me share with me your your brief initial thoughts when you watched it no i didn't enjoy it at all um it was it was as bad and it was as bad as i thought it was gonna be and worse it was drawn out the the whole thing that i think we have to remember with this though is that this is documentary footage that he got um there there are some things where he put in some uh some uh you know excerpts from from different uh, tv shows um news reports things like that the uh the 911 call um uh, uh, for his mother it's a few different things that you know he had to go get but for the most part everything is what he captured with his camera 
So, in his most pivotal moment, in, in the most pivotal moment in Kanye's life, um, he wasn't there. He and he wasn't allowed to be there uh, for for whatever whatever reason, whatever was involved or surrounding that. And it, and it wasn't on him because he tried, but it was on the people that Kanye had began to surround himself with. Clearly, they're all enablers, and um, this this part just showed that man. I, I didn't I didn't enjoy seeing this. Um, there was no, I just couldn't. It, it's hard to find redemption for a man who's not seeking it. You know what I'm saying? So I I <laughs> I didn't I didn't enjoy the third one at all. It. It was it was very telling for me. Mm. Yeah, I, I too did not enjoy the third one uh, like I enjoyed the the first two. I mean, the first two spent a lot of time, you know, tracking Kanye the underdog, the Kanye that we all fell in love with, um, and then the third one just kind of it, it just kind of fast forwarded through some of the most. And I guess it had to, you know what I mean? Like, unless you're gonna, unless you're gonna make this a, a, a eight or ten part documentary, you kind of gotta fast forward through some stuff. So I get that, but but Jamil kind of already touched on it when he said Cootie is just he's just too close personally to Kanye to have filmed a a well rounded at least at the end a well rounded documentary about his subject. You know, there were several moments in the documentary where you hear Cootie narrating and he goes, I thought my documentary was over, but then Kanye did X, Y, Z. I thought my doc was over, the Grammy. but then Kanye did A, B, and C. And then I thought it was all done. But then Kanye, yeah, Kanye gonna keep doing stuff, nigga, cause he crazy. That's you not know? it. You, you you said that before. You said what? <laughs> he was that saying crazy? that, no, oh, come on, man. He, he was talking about what Cootie was saying, but he said that based off of Kanye's accomplishments. But what happened was Kanye kept calling him back out in these different moments in his life, like the trip to China. Like he thought it was done. They hadn't spoken for so long and then he calls him back out for the trip to China. He called him, um, he called him, he no, called every, him, oh, every for, the, time for the tour. He called him again for the tour. So it's, he called him out right afterwards, he would do something else. And then Cootie would be like, "Man, I'm hoping, I'm, I'm hoping and praying that he's doing all right." And then somebody, not even Kanye, somebody else would reach out to him. The dude from Abstract Mind State was the one reaching out to Cootie, and then he would come out and be like, "Yeah, you know, I was concerned about you. I just wanted to check up on you." That's what kept happening. That you're talking about after you're just talking about whatever whatever situations happened after he was called out but he no wasn't. it was a couple of situations it, it was it was like three situations where cootie kept getting called i mean they were separated by by years but it was like three different instances where he kept getting called back yeah Check on but him. but that's what i'm saying he wasn't called back to record craziness he was called back he was called back to record these these specific moments that he wanted to share with him Okay. So that's what I'm saying. It wasn't. It wasn't like he was. He was calling them out because he did something crazy and he need him to record this. He. No, no. He Cootie had, was trying to add. Cootie was trying to add a little bit more meat and give the documentary a happy ending. But he, he gave you the impression that he couldn't do that because stuff kept happening. Kanye kept unraveling because he he wanted to. 
you you really do get the impression that he wanted the documentary to end on a good note but because kanye was was you know tailspinning so much it i mean he said it in a doc like this is the reason why it took so long because he did not that's how i took that oh i didn't take it like that that. no i think he was just saying i think i thought the doc was over because we reached the conclusion of the album i think that was the close of the story that they were trying to tell plus he was gone right he wasn't around no more so that's why i think i don't i don't think it was a matter of him at that point trying to find the happy ending but it definitely came out toward the end for sure yeah i don't know man i don't know i think i think he wanted it to have a, a happier ending than it, than it did of course because he's his friend see we can't right that, that's the other thing and, and I, I can't remember somebody mentioned it though it's hard to have your friend do your documentary now was he expecting all of this to happen no because of course he's like yo you good with a camera you my boy hey just record me i know it's gonna seem kind of you know pretentious but just record me through this journey he recorded him and then he's like okay we're good we got the we you know what i'm saying we hit the mountaintop like that's it right and then he's like no come record me here again and then they'll, they'll break off and then he's like yo come back out here and check me out again it's like every time he was looking for something, like he said, uh, he made the comment that uh, he felt like um, Kanye was, uh, what is it? Like reaching out for help in his own kind of way. And, and in my opinion, calling Cootie out was one of those ways. Like he talked about it. He, he was talking about, you know, energy and people around him that that knows him. And, and anytime he would tell somebody about him, he was like, yo, this is my best friend. I've known him for 20 plus years you know like he 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 wanted that energy around him but he was just when it wasn't around he was a freaking loose cannon man yeah yeah Yeah. it it was it was way too many moments in episode three it was just it felt very meandering and and just like a time waster that that scene where he's i think he's in the dominican republic but he's he's on like a um he he's on like a villa you know with like these two older white men and he's talking about his plans for some stuff he wants to do in the future and like dude the convo i mean he's clearly talking like a crazy man and like you can mm-hmm. see it on the two white dudes faces like they're just sitting there like nodding like okay all right all right nigger, cut the check and um yeah yeah and could that was when cootie was like yeah it didn't feel good to keep recording and it was just like i i i give cootie props because his his unique uh, relationship with Kanye allowed for excellent documentary for episodes one and two but then like when you just try to gloss over all the problematic stuff it just I, I felt a little unfulfilled by the end of it because what they do in most documentaries is they bring in a lot of different voices and perspectives and schools of thought to weigh in on the subject and give it a little bit more context a little bit more context and that would have been great when you got somebody who's you know kind of kind of suffering from some illness here some mental illness like it'd be great to have somebody explain like hey okay this is likely what's going on with him we saw with this celebrity this is how he can get help or we you know when when somebody loses somebody in death and they don't grieve probably blah 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 and you didn't get none of that you you didn't even get any voices from any of his I guess you can call them industry friends or whatever, but you know, I that the fact that that was missing from the documentary just made it feel like a 
a bit of a missed opportunity, you know, and, and, you know, there's this, there's this broader conversation that comes up with this uh, around Kanye where you got to kind of talk about the bubble that's imposed on people when they reach a certain level of just uber celebrity and fame. You know, that, that scene Jamil was talking about where he's watching the, the, the Tucker Carlson footage, first thing out of his mouth, who, who is that? Bro, it was 2020. Right. You, you don't know who Tucker Carlson is? You don't know how much of a problematic figure this dude is? This, this dude is defending Putin right now. This is the same dude who said immigrants made our country dirty. And, and weakened American culture. This is the same person who says diversity is is overrated, is overrated, and compares it to Nazism. Okay, but all Kanye saw was a white man praising him. You know, and Cootie tried to tell him, and I, I you know, Cootie adds some heart to the documentary. He adds heart to episode three that Donda added to episodes one and two. You know, and Cootie was trying to. He's 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 clearly not a yes man. But, but he is emotionally wrapped up in wanting to see his friend be, be in a better way. And he even tried to tell him, yo, man, don't listen to that dude. He's, he's negative. He's problematic. Kanye wasn't hearing it. Kanye was not hearing it. Okay. So it, episode three just kind of reminded me, like, why don't, why don't F with him no more? Is that a, is that a question? No, no, I'm just that was a statement. I it, it that's that's what that's Mike Drivers what that was. He said yeah. <laughs> just, I was gonna say though, like I had to look at my phone like did I drop off? <laughs> I, 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 the only reason why I said that because you he you said we was just giving initial thoughts and I, I I I was trying to figure out where we was going next. My bad. I'm sorry, I, I got into like takeaways, like <laughs> you know, no but, but I, I, one and two i was i I was in you know it was endearing to see him go through his journey again and in episode three it was like ah that's right that's why i don't like this nigga no more like that that's that's kind of what it was for me it was it was an hour and a half of that you know yeah i like to say two things about it um reggie reggie was trying to say something go ahead reggie no, no, no. I, w- I was going to say, like, I, you know, again, I haven't seen it yet, um, but just kind of like going off of what y'all are saying, it seems like, though, like he wanted you to see the downward spiral after the death and and how that changed everything for, you know what I'm saying, the worst, so to speak. Um that's, that's how I kind of look at it, and if, and if that's what he did, I mean that's, I mean that's the reality of the situation. You know what I'm saying? Like everybody know the accomplishments. I don't think you can kind of like and turn it almost go in depth into every album. Um, speaking to someone that was kind of so close to the whole situation, they said the whole time period up until Twisted Dark Fantasy was a blur. And then it was a lot of like kind of idle time because he was so wrapped up in the fashion. So no music was even being made, which caused a lot of his friends to kind of be like, well, you know, I'm not about to just be a a leech. Like, I'm going to go back home. I'm going to, you know, try to figure out some other things to do why you kind of like, you know, do your thing. And it's kind of like the same thing I'm hearing. It seems like Kuti comes back and forth because 
a lot of things he wasn't even wrapped up into the music, which is why everybody kind of was on the journey with him. Um, but you know what I'm saying? I don't know. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I don't know if I'll be able to give my perspective on you know three once I see it. But uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? The reality of it, man. You know what I'm saying? That death. I mean, it, it affected him, man. I mean, if you, you saw mm-hmm. from the first two episodes how effective she was. So I can just imagine. You know what I'm saying? It her dying just causes everything to just unwind. You know what I'm saying? So, like I said, if it if it's that bad as everybody's kind of saying it, I think he was doing that on purpose. Yeah, that's my thought. But now mm-hmm. I got four. Now I got four things to say. Um, I'm trying to see what I remember. Um, yeah, Cootie. Uh, it looked like. He, he wanted to stay true and authentic to the to the documentary but the last part further on on the end it was it was you could tell it was really hurting him to see his friend in this condition that's why sometimes he just had to turn the camera off it was like it was really hurting um but he did try to keep it honest which i appreciate uh one of the other things i wanted to say was that i got tired of him with his voice the way the way the way he was talking as far as the way the like the the documentary this period when he was talking it was like half the time i thought he was asking a question but he was making a statement and it was like that that was so he got tired of something to hear like that and um yeah it was just like just looking through the whole thing i thought that this documentary may have helped Kanye or potentially could have helped him but after seeing that third episode nah it is what it is <laughs> you know just looking at it because you really get to see a concentrated um session of all of the crazy stuff this guy was doing like years of it just concentrated into a of an hour and a half and it just is not a good look and so that's like and he's still in the he's still doing stuff now, you know, making crazy videos with with um the game <laughs> and things of that nature. So it's like I thought it was gonna sway the vote on an empathetic side to Kanye, but nah, it's just it, it, it's it's just a bad look at the end. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wish they could have did a documentary that ended with Twisted Dark Fantasy, man. <laughs> I think that would have been an interesting doc, you know, to see the recording process, the late registration and then graduation and, you know, 808s and then eventually, you know, uh, Twisted Dark Fantasy. But, hey, you know, it, it, it kind of kept rolling. You know, at this point, I don't know, like, like I'm, I'm, I've been done with Kanye since probably 2016. You know, but I, I and other Kanye fans who were who were there for, for the beginning, we were very, very patient with him. And it, it gets to a point where it's like, man, how much grace do you give this guy? You know, I, I know some people on here are a little bit more patient with Kanye than myself, but it, it seems that he was like this underdog figure for two years. He made amazing music for six, and then he's just been a terrible person and insufferable and making bad music for 10 plus years you know and it's just like he's to me he's been bad way longer than he was ever good so i just yeah I, i'm just kind of done with him 
and then well, any, you, go ahead. Do you feel like because one thing this is what also also what I wanted to say was that he he really is trying to affect the world in a positive way. Do you think he's like really has any malice? I'm glad with you brought his that actions? up. I'm glad you brought that up. I, I, I think he's he's pure in his motives. You know, like Kanye was a dude who clearly wanted to use his celebrity and, and his, his status in the culture to do something more than just, you know, T-shirts and put his face on bags of potato chips. And, and I applaud him for that, for having that vision. I don't beef with his vision at all. It's just how he has tried to avail himself of getting to the people, resources, and entities that'll bring that vision to a reality that I don't like. You know, how he's kind of moved, even in the political arena, you know, because I do think he's trying to, he's trying to pacify certain people and please certain people who he he believes can make these things happen for him. You know, like Kanye, he's clearly a dude who he's a visionary and he's, he's he's i think he's a little scared about how he's going to be remembered and i think he wants to leave an indelible mark on the culture and there's nothing wrong with that but when it wasn't happening for him or it appeared to not be happening for him as quickly as he wanted to that's when we started getting this crazy kanye so you know i can defend him in his vision but of what he wants to achieve as far as the you know the fashion world and, and all of that and you know, uh, using some of his his wealth to, uh, to 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 give people affordable housing and stuff, but how he's gone about gaining attention and getting eyes on himself to to accomplish these things that I don't sign off on. Mic drop again. You said what? <laughs> Another mic drop. Uh, I, you know, I'm my, my mindset is you don't like them, I ain't gonna fight you. You don't like them, you don't like them. I understand why you don't like them. I, under, I understand. <clears throat> I understand and I, why. People and I can't tell him. nobody how to feel about about Kanye either. Like yeah. it, it's it's such a complex. It's a lot. So many layers here to unpack with him with the mental health, and then you you can't ignore you can't ignore the musical his musical talent. You you just can't. So I realizing all that I can't I know I can't tell anyone else how to feel about Kanye. I'm just over him, you know, personally. That that's all I I I I mean by my statement. But go ahead, Greg. Yeah, I mean, that's that's understandable. Um, again, the documentary was entitled Genius. It wasn't called the, the Kanye West documentary. And if you if you've listened to if you haven't heard um, interviews done by uh, Chi Chika and Cootie. Um, um, since the release of the of the documentary, I encourage you to check them out because it gives you it gives you um, understanding as to why they went with the perspective that they went with. If you remember in the beginning of the documentary, he Kanye was telling the guy that he had seven and a half hours of footage. Mm-hmm. I would assume that most of that footage is from the early years especially when you consider that they were estranged for such a long time uh, for these different spans in between, I guess, you know, major points in his life. So, you know, um, like they say, he, he, he didn't get footage of Kim. 
He didn't he didn't see his kids. He said he would have loved to. But what I what I overall got from it and, and, and the way that they explain this documentary is that they feel like everyone is a genius or, or everyone has that potential to be a genius. This just showcased Kanye's genius. Um, and if they had named it the Kanye West document or genius, the Kanye West documentary, then Kanye would have had to sign off on that. He would have had to sign off on the documentary. That's not what happened. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what allowed them to to put out the documentary without having Kanye give final say or or help you know structure it. The big problem with this is that it's taken from the lens of a friend, and Kanye has not surrounded himself with true friends for years. However, it happened, they got moved out or whatever. However, however that whole relationship, um, you know, died off. The, the, it seems like the one who continues to, you know, come by when he's called is Cootie. The one who was like there from the very beginning is Cootie. And he knows that. He even It was even weird that he called his pops on FaceTime. Dude sitting there with his shirt off and he talking to him about about his, his presidential speech. Or, or I was like, this is so, this is, what, what are you doing? First off, what is this? And then if you notice huh? before then. I said, we ain't heard about this dude ever before. Ever, then. ever. And he talking to him. Ever. And I'm, I'm I'm like, I'm like, man, this is an awkward conversation because your dad clearly didn't help raise you. Nah. And now you're calling him. He didn't call you. You're calling him. And you're like, hey dad, what's going on? Hey y'all. Hey you guys, this is my dad. Hey, hey, can you send the, can you send that footage that you got of me to my dad? And I'm I'm listening to him like how old is this guy? You know what I'm saying? Like mama, he's his mama dead though. Exactly. Yeah, he, he's so gra- so he's that leads me for, for family, man. That that leads me to this point then, right? And it's a it's a it's a question for the panel. <laughs> but and I I have an idea of what everybody's feeling, but I'm gonna ask the question regardless. Knowing that Kanye, he was who he was, he had these you you know that he has something with him mentally. You don't know what that it was. It wasn't, you know, diagnosed what he what he had early on in his life. You know what I'm saying? But you, what you know is that his mother was the rock. There's even a comment. I think it was in episode two. Yeah, in episode two, Cootie said that as he got more famous, he wanted her around around more. Him. Yeah. Yes. And and eventually she basically the guy the guy said it she basically became his manager. So not only was she his manager, his voice of reason, his mother, his best friend, his rock. She was she was the person who helped him stay grounded. Mm-hmm. And once he lost that, it was like a balloon tethered. I think somebody mentioned that. I can't even take credit, but it was like a, it was like a balloon that was tethered, man. As soon as she was gone, he's cut. He's flying off. You don't know where that. You know what? Where the wind is going to take him. You're hoping that he keeps his friends around him to bring him back down. You know, but he didn't. So, with all of that said, how much can you blame? How much can you blame the man for the poor choices that he ended up making? When you know all of that, 
almost all of it. He's still grown and he still made decisions. And I understand the 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 disconnect um, or the imbalance that's there. There, nobody really knows exactly what that is. But you still have to be accountable for those decisions that you make. He chose not to allow his friends in this circle at that time. Some of them left. Um, but he seemed to have been, you know, whether intentionally or by, by circumstance of the business, separated himself from what was real. And that's not really all that different from what happens to a lot of celebrities. You get caught up in that machine and then he got a hold of them Kardashians or they got a hold of him rather. And Come on, man. That, that was... <laughs> That was a whole other thing that really wasn't explored in the documentary, but that can't be discounted either. I, I, for, for me, Greg, it's not about assigning blame. It, it's it's just I'm overdue, man. I'm over him. Like, but, like, you, but you've already assigned blame as you as you're saying it now. You've assigned blame. You're saying that that he's to blame for what he's done and, and everything that has happened. I um, don't. I'm not and, interested in the minutia of of what went into who he's become before us today. I, I just, I'm, I don't, I don't welcome that type of clownery in my life, man. You know, he, some of it could be mental illness. Some, and some of it I, I do feel is him wanting to be a, or, or needing to be a contrarian. Uh, Hip hop culture has grown progressively left. So I'm gonna go right. I'm going to align myself with, with some of the most, uh, uh, controversial figures on the other side and I'm a cheerleader for them because you know I'm being free and I'm being daring and you know I'm being Kanye and it's like look bro like you have you have a lot of people who listen to you okay so you need to be responsible with the things you say because you, you're, you're going to either mislead people and the people you don't mislead are going to be like me they're going to be the people that you piss off and that goes for Kanye, that goes for Donald Trump, that goes for Joe Rogan, that goes for Elon Musk, that goes for anybody who has tens of millions of non-critical thinking followers who take what they say as gospel. And I'm over it. This isn't about assigning blame for me. I just, I, I, I don't, people like that, I don't, I don't need them, I don't need them in my cipher. Okay, so let me, let me lay this last one out there. I know everybody didn't, didn't respond. But, but I, let me <laughs> let me let me lay this last little nugget out there. Then, Cootie made okay. So in in the interviews, I can't remember if he stated it at the end of uh, episode three, but he made a comment in his interviews when they asked they asked him, "What differences do you see in Kanye from early on to now?" And Ky- and and Cootie made the statement that. It's the same Kanye to him. So he, he's he, what he was saying was that everything is him. So whether he was that inspirational, hungry guy in the beginning, or he was this seemingly whacked out, loose cannon, unstable person in the end of it, all of it is him. So essentially he's saying that what he's seeing now he's seen before probably not at the at this level but he's seen it before and he still sees some of the other the other layers of Kanye would would you agree with that 
I, I would agree with that. Yeah. yeah, I would agree with that. Go go ahead. Someone else was saying something. I was gonna say. Go ahead. Go ahead um. Well, you go ahead, Reggie. Go ahead. Well, no, I'm just go. saying, like, um, I mean, you clearly see the 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 person that he was before, uh, still now. I mean, um, even when uh, I think somebody told him, like, you know, keep that hunger, um, always feel like you're the underdog. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, even when you've made it, and I think that's. I think that's him all the time. Like, I think he feels like everybody counts him out no matter what he does. And so you see that from, you know what I'm saying, point A to point, you know what I'm saying, Z to where we at now. Um, I do understand the point that you was making, um, Greg. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of hard for me to speak on it because I, you know, I really don't know the mental health aspect of everything and I really do feel like that affects uh, a lot of him which is kind of why he doesn't take the medicine because I feel like he thinks it's going to mess with music but that's a whole other conversation but I mean you just think, see I that mean, in episode 3 too but go ahead sorry okay but um yeah I mean I just I just think the mental health is really affects him you know what I'm saying I think it does change a, a part of him I don't know how much it changes but it definitely uh, enhances a certain part of him that may not be the best part of him. And I mean, you've seen other, you know what I'm saying, I guess, celebrities that have had this, you know, let's just say schizophrenia, you know what I'm saying, and they completely wild out and it's like hard for them to, people to get a gauge on them and keep them under control. Uh, I just think, you know what I'm saying, this is <clears throat> an aspect of it to a certain degree and it's just, you know, hard for his, his friends to kind of keep it together, man. I, I just, I, you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel for the guy, you know what I'm saying? I know what Ian said, he's done with him, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I feel like he can be helped, you know what I'm saying? But it's up to him, you know what I mean? But that that was mine. That was more so, you, you said it, you know, you feel for him. So that's one person who feel for him, the other person is completely done. And that's, all of that is understandable. You know what I'm saying? I just, I just really, I wonder how y'all truly felt about that. Just seeing, now, seeing everything. I'm feeling for him too. Going back to what Cootie Coot, said. Go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry, Vance. No, I'm just saying I, I feel for him too. But like when you asked that question, I was my 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 thought was well, if we if we don't blame who then if we don't blame him then there's nobody to blame. That, that's but why I'm not into blaming people. You at, know? at the same at the same time though, if you watch the dude, the way he talks. There's moments where he realizes he has the option to not do what he's about to do. Right. Mm -hmm. and, he, and he and he decides to do it. So but it's there's like, nobody around him. His mother's exactly. not there to there's tell nobody, him no. There's, there's no anchor there for him to not do it. And it seems right. like sometimes he hesitates to allow people a chance to tell him don't do it. And if he doesn't get that, then he'll just run with it. Right. So um, I think I think I will put it on him because the man is too calculated I don't know what he's doing like he he, he 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 has too much strategy in his life to not have that like mapped out in his head when he's going going around doing what he's doing now now I believe Cootie when he says like the Kanye he sees today is the same Kanye like I unfortunately had a friend 
who's no longer with us who dealt with mental illness and it got progressively worse and worse over the years and you never you you never stop seeing your friend it's like you, you this you see a dude who's clearly going through something but he's still your friend so i believe Pootie when he says okay this is all him he's just going through something right now so you know anyone who's kind of lived through that knows you know where cootie is coming from you know yeah you 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 never stop feeling for your friend no like no matter what they do especially if they're dealing with 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 mental illness so i I believe him on that tip i just you know i'm not a close personal friend of kanye obviously so i don't have to worry about that you know i could just be like yeah i'm not i'm unplugging from this dude right now like I, I can afford to do that. Yeah. Again, that's that's fair. I just I just wanted to see the I wanted to see how far the opinions span. You know what I'm saying? Because, like I said, it's 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 a very as much as I didn't like it, it's a very telling um, look into his into what his life is now. Um, just before all of this, the Donda and the Kim stuff. You know, so it's. I'm interested. I'm like I, I, I really want to know what Reggie thinks, but I, I, like I said, I didn't, I didn't like it, but I, I appreciated having that that viewpoint, personally. Yeah, yeah. What Cootie did works for for episodes one and two. It, it I, I was, I was on board for all of that. But yeah, episode three, once we start getting into some of these deeper issues, is when I was like, okay, we. We kind of need uh, a more objective voice and we need some more diverse voices, period, to kind of weigh in and help the, you know, help the narration along. Um, but I, but not to keep dragging this out, but Ian, I don't think I don't think you would you could ever get that because I don't think nobody knows. This is true. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have, have to be people who know him personally. It could just be, be people who can speak on mental health or identify certain uh, you know patterns and behaviors in him and can say okay th- this is what this is this is how I it don't can know be if fixed. that would be I mean That's if that the- was your friend though you wouldn't want yes you wouldn't want a doctor like diagnosing your homie and like saying well he's crazy and well, so who else gonna help him like, but uh, but especially without I'm, his especially without his uh, his, help him, his blessing on that I'm not saying that nobody shouldn't help him, but I'm just saying to just give an object, uh, 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 a neutral or unbiased opinion, but yet still like pinpoint that he's doing this because he's nuts. Like it's, it's a, you know what I'm saying? That puts your friend in a bad, you know what I'm saying? Look. Well, you don't have to word it that way, but you you can definitely. But I mean, ultimately that's what everybody's going to take from it. <laughs> You could definitely be like, yeah, he's he's dealing with he's likely dealing with this particular disorder. We don't know that for sure, but mm-hmm. taking into account when he did blah blah blah, mm-hmm. he might be dealing with. You with- speaking from a, a, <laughs> yep. a, an intelligent person, man. The, the yep. social media world gonna take that and be like, the guy said that Kanye's nuts. We shouldn't believe him. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, it he loses all credibility. Whole, yeah, it was just changing nah, I don't know. I don't know. It's, I don't and, know. and you keep forgetting. I, I, let me oh, please allow me to reiterate this documentary is named genius it had Kanye West in it had another cat named Cootie whatever but it had, the main draw was Kanye West 
So he didn't want to, if, if he went and got that from like a doctor or something, he would have had to have Kanye sign off on that. You know what I'm saying? He wanted to make a documentary with the footage that he had that Kanye um, asked him to come and get. And of course, you know, if you're smart and you're around Kanye, you're going you're gonna to get as much as you can while you're there. Um, so this is not a let's dive into why Kanye is this way now. It's all about what what actually happened. You know what I'm saying? And you make you make the determination amongst yourselves. That's all it was. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I made a determination six years ago. So. <laughs> but we we really, really got to get into our next topic, man. Um, this is a very special week in terms of uh, hip hop history. Uh, I shouldn't say special week, but more of a somber week. But it it is significant. Um, the great American philosopher Cannabis once stated, "The greatest rapper of all time died on March 9th. March ninth. And uh, this week is March 9th. so we will be doing. Uh, we'll be breaking down our favorite five to ten personal favorite Biggie songs slash verses. I didn't want to just so limit we're gonna it to be doing a, a, a Jay Z." Like Magnum Opus or what? <laughs> um, you said favorite. You said your favorite Biggie verse, right? You gotta, you gotta stop the hate, man. <laughs> the hate is unreal, man. <laughs> I think he's not facts. That, that sounds like it's something Darcy and Jermaine would say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, man. First of all, just just a general question to, to y'all, man. What what did Biggie mean to you when he was alive, and how does his legacy hold up today uh, 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 to you personally? So I, I just give it up to you all. Uh, Biggie died when I was twelve, so <laughs> I, I can't say that I had this like deep emotional connection <laughs> or his music like that. You weren't a fan um, at all. I mean, I was a fan, but I was a kid, so there was only so much of that I was going to be able to absorb. Yeah. Um, I was definitely a fan, um, and then as I got older and I was able to understand his music more, I became more of a fan. Um, like, dude was the whole package, like, you know what I'm saying? He had a voice that was perfect for rap. Um, his his level of detail and storytelling, and I, I love storytelling MCs in general anyway. Um, he had, you know, he, he was, you know, heartthrob never, black as ugly as ever. However, stayed coochie down to the socks. Like, you know, he was he, he gangster, was, was able to keep the women somehow. Probably the money, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but he, you know, he embodied quite a bit of what you want from an MC, like all in one package. And, you know, unfortunately, just, just, wasn't able to um we weren't able to get more than two albums out of it yeah yeah um anybody else wants want to speak on big um yeah i'll I do it real quick um i feel like in hip-hop you know what i'm saying like there's two roles to take and when i say that i mean like you either take like a biggie road or you take a tupac road and i take the biggie road every time and I just say that because I just feel like what Biggie brought to the table 
I mean, people say all the time, like, he was a little bit more on the party side, you know what I'm saying? And, um, you know, everything wasn't so uh, deep or introspective. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, he gave you stories. He gave you, you know, the party life. He gave you, you know, like a regular dude, so to speak, aspects of things. Um, and... I think that's what captivated me the most, just his ability to like uh, give you a glimpse of like what he was dealing with or going through, um, and it was so vivid. You know what I'm saying? Um, along with being able to rap along with it on beat with the beat, no matter how the beat went, like he was giving it a hundred percent. You know what I'm saying? To the to the a snare, whatever, like it was, it was just impeccable. Like the timing, the whole nine, uh, uh, whole nine. So, um, that's what I enjoyed about it, man. Um, yeah, that's it. I, I don't want to get into the songs right now, but uh, that's my thoughts on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree, man. Like Biggie had a lot of layers to him. You know, he had a radio side, but he also had a, a deeper album cut side. You know, <laughs> like but he got a little bit more descriptive with, with some su- stuff with dealing with the the streets you know like mm-hmm. he had mad crossover ability like he was respected by you know uh people who respected folks being on the charts but he was also respected by hip-hop purists you know mm-hmm. because lyrically he he didn't slack man he had the voice too like just great voice he he embodied that new york city bravado that 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 a lot of that a lot of mcs try to have but they kind of don't you know and he he made the east coast hard again you know like the west coast was holding it down for a good minute and most of the acts coming out of the of the east coast were for the most part groups you know and like like you know like mob deep and tribe and dayline and wu-tang but biggie was like the solo artist of the east coast that that really held it down and made east coast rap cool again you know like Nas was doing his thing too but Nas wasn't Nas wasn't doing it on Big's level not in not in the mid 90s not like that but not commercially yeah you know, he was missing the aspect of things yeah I agree and I will make the case this might be a bold statement but I will make the case that Biggie also had no regrettable singles I'll, I can concur hmm. I gotta think about this, man. Think I about it. Think That's a good statement. Regrettable? Is that the word? Yeah, you just he, used? yeah no, yeah, he, he had, had he had no, yeah, he had no bad singles. Like, that was like, man, singles. why did he put that out? I think you might be right about that. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> nah, I was gonna say party and BS was kind of, but I forgot the time period that it came out. It was like a college era, so right. And was that a yeah. single? It was a single. Okay. It wasn't on the album, though. Right. Was what, what was that on, like, Rhyme and Reason or something like that? I think, yeah, it was just a single release. Yeah, Nas had Uchi Wally. Uh, Jay-Z had Sunshine. Q-Tip had Vibrant Thing. I mean, Eminem definitely had some regrettable singles. But when you think about, like, the greatest rapper... I'm like, like, Vibrant Thing is regrettable. I'm like, all those songs. <laughs> yeah, you know, you, I think you might be the only one that feels that way about Vibrant Thing. So. Man, I, I must be. I, I did not like Vibrant I was, I was with you. I was with you on Sunshine. Oh, the ladies love it, though. Wait, who yeah, said they love all these? I did. 
You like Uchi Wally? Yeah. Ladies love it. I love what the yes, ladies love. Uh, Uchi Wally is a cold song. The Nas is very just terrible on the song. And Sunshine, you got that one right. Uh, yeah, you got that one right though. Sunshine was regrettable. But I, I will give the I will give the floor up to you all. Like what were you all's favorite Biggie songs slash verses that, that stand out to you and why? Well, um, I just say I'll, I'll say one because I know everybody's gonna mention the other ones, but and I will say this about Biggie too: um, the more the the longer he passes away, the more I appreciate him um, because what he did still is holding up as small the amount that he got that he had to do, you know, or got the chance to accomplish, it's still holding to the test of time. Because at first I used to be like, how can you crown anybody the greatest with just two out? That's like saying Derrick Rose, you know, he had his untimely knee injuries that took him, took his career um, on a different trajectory. But that's kind of like what happened to Biggie in the sense that he passed away like, he didn't have he didn't have time to do anything else for people crowning him. But the more the longer he's passed away, the more I start to appreciate him. But um to me the one I thought I think everybody would miss, because I know everybody won't mention all of the ones that they should, is the Biggie verse with with um Bone Thugs and Harmony and Twisted. This picture game, talk your ish. That that one has to be put up, put up against it. But that, I mean, everybody else is gonna mention the other one, so I, I just let them do that. That is indeed on my list, sir. Uh, anybody else? Favorite Biggie uh, tracks or verses? I'll go. I got uh, the second verse on "Kicking the Door." I really, really do the whole song. Honestly, just. Absolutely. He had a way of uh, making diss records that was that was fire without making them personal. So you had to figure out, mm-hmm. um, you know, who it was about. Plus, you can't really go wrong with a female piece. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also go with Niggas Bleed. Uh, the last verse in particular, because you get this whole like gutter, you know, gangster tale of a robbery going wrong. And all the dialogue in between there was was was, was super dope. Like the uh, him describing <laughs> him describing knowing the the hotel clerk. Oh and how yeah, she Gloria. <laughs> Gloria from Astoria yeah. with the whoa up peeps in '91. <laughs> she was they shook when she Long story, low, see my face. Got shook. Thought a nigga was coming for the safe. Now she breaking. Shut up. <laughs> Twelve. What's taking? <laughs> and then go back to it. And then after all of that, right? You got this crazy, crazy situation. The niggas after him get their truck towed by <laughs> from being parked by Ivan. Like for that to be the end of the other the, the song was pretty dope. Yeah, niggas bleed is is definitely some dope storytelling. The details, man. Yes. Yes. Um, and his his mind state because he went into the heist already bent on like killing these people. To, yes. <laughs> you know. like, kill them all. I could be set for life. In the in the meeting, in the meeting, they was talking about it. And he's already yeah. thinking about. He um, went in, grimy. You know, you're like, yeah. how's this going in? Right. 
Go ahead. Um, also going to go with um, Everyday Struggle. Uh, the first verse in particular and the hook. Um, the thing about Big, what, what, what was crazy about the moniker that people gave him about being like a party MC or not having depth in his verses, like that's, that's kind of crazy to me. And this is an example of that, right? We get, you know, dope stories and, and, and drug dealer tales as well, but this was an example of like really that whole album was was a, a kind of a shout out to mental health in, in some aspects and this is like yo i'm i'm selling dope because i have to and this is this is kind of how i feel about the situation um and on that same line sky's the limit especially the first verse so i uh, i was recently talking to a friend of mine i i really feel like that first verse in particular I don't know if you wrote it like that, but to me, that is a reaction to childhood trauma. Like he was getting roasted and stole off dude and then graduated to a criminal. That is a, that's not an unfamiliar story. Like kids, you know, turn to, to act of violence to, to get the heat up off of them. And then eventually it grows into something else like it, it seemed like a kind of a, a simple song on the surface, but it, it you know, he had definitely had depth in the verses. And then the last one that I want to bring up, because I don't think anybody's going to remember this one. Well, you might remember it, but most of us don't think about it, is uh, the joint he did with Shaquille O'Neal, the second verse. So, a dope song. Okay. I'm gonna have to dig in the crates for that one because it is not, I can't, I can't even, I can't even remember that verse right now. Oh, man. This is cool, cool jeans. I do my duty as long as they fly. It's me and Yeah, you gonna have to look that one up. Success on my circle. Try to break it. I heard you. I probably could rap the whole thing. Okay. You All right. Want to hear me do it though? <laughs> All right. I'll um, oh, go ahead, Reggie. I was gonna say no. I'll go ahead and just give you a few. Um, one of my favorite songs of his. Oh, I got a lot of favorite songs of his, but. Something that I play all the time is Things Unchanged. I feel like no matter mm-hmm. what age you are, you can always have that feeling that things have are different than when you were younger. And it just relates, you know what I'm saying? Despite it being, you know what I'm saying, decades, you know, from when he was younger to, you know what I'm saying, when we were younger. Um, so I love that song. Uh, also, Give Me a Loop. Um, mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, I know other rappers did it, you know what I'm saying? But the fact that he played, you know what I'm saying, two different people, but yet was like <laughs> talking to himself, you know what I'm saying? Like, ooh, Biggie, let me jack up in the back, hit her with the gap, chill, shorty, let me do that. Like, it's just the back and forth that he had with himself, you know what I'm saying? You almost thought it was two rappers, you know what I'm saying? Um, I love uh, Unbelievable. Um, I think that's a primo beat, like, again, him just, the way he flow on it, um, it's so, you know what I'm saying, like, braggadocious, you know what I'm saying, like, but yeah, still hip-hop, you know what I mean, even though he talking about the gun violence, but it's still like, man, you can't touch me, you know what I'm saying, I'm unbelievable, you know, um, so, that, and then, what I always love about Biggie, too, is, I mean, you know, I know he mentioned the, um, 
Phone Thugs, you know what I'm saying? But the fact that he rapped just as fast as you, you know what I'm saying? Like he switched his style right. to, you know what I'm saying? Or or not switch his style, but I say challenged himself lyrically, you know what I'm saying? To be able to do what they do um, because they were so good at it. And I thought the fact that he was able to do it or the fact that he even did it just shows how uh, talented he was. Um, but yeah, that's just a few that I have yeah, to see. You, you're right, Reggie. He could have coasted on that track, but he, he he turned it up a notch, you know. And his what's interesting is that his verse is the verse that people really remember. True. You know, like like after Biggie's done, the song is kind of over. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like this real talk. But um, okay, so my list, I'm gonna cut through it real real quick because I know we we will press for time. Uh, at number 10, man, I too have things done changed, man. Reggie hit the nail on the head, bro. Like, this is the soundtrack for getting older as a black man in America. It's like, no matter how wild you were in your youth, you always feel that, like, things are a little wilder now, you know, and things just ain't the same. You know, it's like you got more stresses on you. You got more worries and this is a phenomenal song and, and like reggie brought out it's aged well very well you know to be from 94 but it's still relevant today you know all right greg well, thanks for coming through bro all right and um so at number nine i also have uh, i have long kiss good night um i love this track because i felt like this was biggie kind of exercising some of his demons at the time and getting a lot of bad energy out you know, through the mic and, you know, taking shots at Suge Knight or whoever he felt he needed to take shots at at the time. Plus, RZA did an excellent job on the on the beat. And um, to me, this song is better than Who Shot You. Um, at number eight, I got Warning. Uh, man, this probably should have been higher on my list, but I, I got it at eight for whatever reason. This was the first Biggie song that I actually memorized word for word and still got it memorized to this day. Uh, number seven, I got Can't You See, which is actually a total song featuring Biggie. Um, I just, man, this. All the this, chicken heads from Pasadena to Medina. <laughs> this, dude, this song comes on, man. I just get cascades of memories about like the skating rink. This song smells like a, a skating rink in the 90s. Like, um, <laughs> plus, Biggie's verse was just super smooth. You had Puff all in the video dancing dancing all on the record you know <laughs> like <laughs> this is classic biggie and puff right here it's a very smooth track uh number six i got victory uh with with, with puff and buster rhymes uh his verse on there lyrically i think it's one of his best verses ever it was and the verse he wrote for puff daddy <laughs> you said what right said and the verse he wrote for diddy oh yeah 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 you're right you are right and time won't allow me to get into the quotes but number five i also have unbelievable um this was just a lyrical flex track i, I think it's one of the uh the hardest tracks we've ever gotten from big dj premier did a great job with uh with the beat and it's just it, it just it's, it sounds so hip-hop you know like uh unbelievable number four i actually got party and bs um, I feel this was Biggie at his rawest and most hungriest. You know, the lyrics are pretty slick and clever, letting you know up front that this dude's just a straight up, you know, goon. I just like the whole energy of it. 
Number three, I got Machine Gun Funk. Great Biggie track, but just a great hip hop track, period. Um, this is just Boom Bap 101. Uh, number two, I also have Notorious Thugs. Y'all already spoke on that. And then at number one, I actually got Juicy uh, for several reasons. I mean, like, it's 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 a classic rags to riches rap song, man. Like, you know, it's this this was the prototype for all the rappers who came after to do a similar song, to talk about what they came up, what, what they came up from and where they're at now, you know? And we've seen many rappers and the best rappers copy, try to do a song like Juicy, you know, and say, okay, I started out here and now I'm now I'm looking down, so to speak. You know what I mean? You know, it's a great song. It's it's a it's a feel good song. You know, and I kind of got some low key some some old you know memories attached to it with some <laughs> members of the fair sex. But um, yeah, yeah, that's my number one biggie biggie track. But um, there you have it, man. There you have it. I just wanted to dedicate a, a segment to him since we were coming up on the 25th anniversary of his passing. I can't can't barely believe it's been 25 years, but it, it has. I remember hearing about it on the news, on the evening news, you know, because this was, of course, before the Internet, you know, and you got your news from the news. <laughs> I remember they, they 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 reported on it and on the local news at that, too. So, yeah. That times really have changed but uh moving right along man we've got our album face off for the night man it is a face off in one corner we have west side gun uh with his album slash mixtape hitler wears hermes seven going up against freddie gibbs and mad lib with their release bandana now, um, I, I decided to put these these two against each other because they kind of they kind of occupy the same lane. They got different styles when it comes to their delivery, but they kind of occupy the same lane with this kind of new school boom bap that's become, you know, kind of popular uh, in, in hip hop. And regarding West Side Guns, Hitler Wears Herman 7, it was released November 1st. 2019 on Griselda Records clocking in at 18 tracks in 39 minutes featuring production by Static Selecta Alchemist, Derringer, JB Swift, King JVB and others and then in the other corner we have Freddie Gibbs and Mad Lib with their second collaborative album uh, Bandana released June 29th 2019 on ESGN clocking in at 15 tracks in 46 minutes produced entirely by Mad Lib. So these were two really good albums, I felt. But uh, I, I give it up to you all. Did you all get to check these albums out? And if so, which one were you feeling more and why? Uh, yeah, definitely listened to both these albums. I know you did, Reggie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I listened to both of them too. This, this, this album Face Off had Reggie written all over it. Of course, yeah. and I, I, I'll go first because I know Reggie probably got a lot more in-depth things to say about him. Um, Mad Lib, Freddie Gibbs, the bandana. I think, in my opinion, it had lower lows and higher highs, if that makes any sense. Um, it was, I can't say I didn't like it because, you know, when you spit at a certain level, 
you can't help but appreciate it. Um, but that Hitler wears her mask at seven is more consistent because it doesn't really go like up or down with what it does. It stays consistent. Like, you know, uh, he's going to be who he is, you know. Um, and the voice is undeniable. Plus, he can spit too. So um, I chose uh, Hitler wears her man seven. But, uh, oh, snap. Yeah, I, I chose that. I thought you were going to go with the Freddy. Nah, I like the beats more on Hitler Wears Her Mask. And that was, and, and he's more memorable. So I looked at it in terms of like, which one I could let go more than, than which one was better. You know, it's hard to say which one is better because they both did, they, they did what they were supposed to with the albums. You know, they, they did their job. But I enjoy listening to uh, Conway. I mean, not Conway, but uh, West Side Gun. I enjoy him listening to him more. I, I think it's his voice too. He gives me those um, Raekwon vibes. This, like, I don't know. Maybe it's just it feels nostalgic, like a new, like a modern nostalgia. I know that's no, that's not, that's not such a thing, but like. <laughs> It's it's hard to explain, man. It's just West Side, so West Side, Side Guns, man. I don't yeah, know what Side, I think I've stated this before, but West Side Guns' voice sounds like Guns and Sunshine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just like it just makes me it just makes me happy. When yeah, he, when it's he's like, rapping. Yeah, it's, it's you gotta you just tune in for him. Now, me personally, like I like what Freddie Gibbs does, but there's been times where like people will say, man, you gotta check this out. And it's like when I get to it, when I get to it. But when um when West Side Gun has something, I go right to it. You know? So like I said, Freddie Gibbs, I think he had like the better song. Period. But he also had the worst song too. Mm. And West Side Gun just did what he, you know, just does what he does with like the slowest paced hip hop music you would ever hear. But it's just like, it's perfect for what he does. So I and I chose to hit the way as her is. Okay. Okay. You, you swerved on me. I thought for sure you were going to go with the Freddy just because of the guest appearances. <clears throat> Some of the guest yeah. appearances he had on there. I thought I was like, man, Vince probably going to go for the Freddy. But, um, but Reggie, man, I, I give it up to you. Uh, I, I mean, I, I went with uh, Hitler with her man seven. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's boom, 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 boom all day. You know, it's here. Side <laughs> um, but but um, I like Freddie Gibbs. I, I do. Um, and it's funny that you put both of these albums together because um, I don't know if y'all look at the, the song titles, but they all choose interesting song titles too, in terms of like, yeah. Um, so, with that being said, though, like, I agree with, with Vince, though. Um, there were songs on um, Bandana that were like incredible, but there was also some songs that was like, ah, like you know what I'm saying? Like, he could have did better on this one, or he should have chose a different beat, or you know what I'm saying. Um, 
And that, that kind of basically was it for me. Um, the whole thing with Westside for me is just, is I don't know if it's the relatability to it, just because I like the way he be talking that fashion talk, you know what I'm saying? I mean, even in his, uh, his song title, like size 42, like that's a European shoe size, you know what I'm saying? It's like that type of stuff, like how people going crazy over, you know what I'm saying? Not to mention <laughs> that song is, is crazy. Um, but I just think that the sound that he um, creates for himself um, in terms of like what him and Derringer kind of like developed as well as um, whatever other producer joins the team and kind of like follows that lane. I think it's just, it's, I mean, it's crazy like how they found this lane of like samples that, you know, you haven't heard of up until this point. And, you know, he's like flowing over at times and sometimes he's like singing over it. But yeah, it all kind of like goes together. It's cohesive. He's talking about fashion and wrestling. Like, it's like, who is this dude? You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, he's talking about selling drugs. It's like a breath of fresh air. You know what I'm saying? Especially like kind of with the music that, let's just say, uh, was, was where we were going. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, of course, I enjoy the little babies and the dirks and all that stuff. But to have this resurgence of like kind of, you know, like you said, boom bop type style hip hop. It was just like, like, man, where have they been? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, why haven't we heard them sooner? So um, with this album, you know what I'm saying? I just felt like it was a way better done album than the Bandana. And uh, I thought it was produced better as well. Okay, all right. All right, Reggie riding with the Hitler Wears Hermes 7 as well. No no surprise there. Uh, Jamil, man, I, I give it up to you. Um, I believe I've said before that like I can only do Westside for so long because although his voice is incredibly unique and he kind of have a ghost face kind of quality to it um, I can't I can't do it but for so long um, but the album was the album was crazy like don't get me wrong with that um, I think Vince kind of hit it on the head with the highs and lows with the bandana because uh, the 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 bandana like definitely had some obviously with the the guest appearances probably had you know some of the peaks on there um you know getting the yasin bay and the black dog collab and then we got a, a fireversal push you know a killer mic and everything it was uh it was actually closer than i expected i, I fully anticipated going with um the hither wears hermes even though i know i, I contradicted it because I talked about West Side's voice but um, just his whole his whole persona like the whole packaging that you get with, with West Side Gun was, was pretty interesting I already touched on that with the, the different uh, mixing the, the fashion in with the streets as well as having that whole wrestling part of it was was all interesting uh, but the Gangsta Gibbs man he <laughs> He always hits you with a slick line or two that I appreciate. And them song titles, I like how he does his because it's usually just one line or one thing he says to track past the song. And it really don't have nothing to do with the rest of it. It's just like Giannis, for instance. Real G's moving silence like Giannis. One line in the track, but then that becomes the name of it. Or I'm, I'm somewhere like Black Tummy T. 
I won't I won't say the whole line, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think my favorite bar on Bandana, I can't even remember which track it was when he was talking about going to war with Gary Police. <laughs> we say we said uh told told Gary P D if they want if they want war, they're gonna have to send the feds. And they sent to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I caught that I'm line not, too. I'm not doing it justice, but the way the way freaking is pretty pretty dope, man. So, and I'm a I'm a Mad Lib fan since forever. So you know, Bandana was right up my alley. Um, all that said, I had to go with the Hitler her uh, Hitler wears Hermes seven. Wow! Wow! The Bandana, I like both of these albums. Um, and I think I probably have played Bandana more than than the West Side because I meant what I said about his voice. I can only take them in, in small doses, but this is a dope project, and I think it was just the overall entertainment value that I got from the West Side Gun that made me choose that one. Where Bandana, like if the if the best part of the album are the features, like those are the high points. I, you got to lose points for that for me. Like if I'm listening to your album and get a get a black salt first, then you're not doing something right. And I appreciated it. Like they were dope tracks and, and you know, Fred did what he could, but you were Titans. And this is not really the type of rap that he do. So he was a little bit out of his depth on that one. So I, you know, all things considered, both solid projects, but yeah, the, the West Side got it for this one. Okay, wow. <clears throat> Wow. Okay. All right. For myself, um, man, I loved both these albums. Um, both these albums have a ton of personality. They both do an excellent job of creating atmosphere, and, and you know, they 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 like I said, they both excel in a lane that's kind of like it's 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 very much needed in hip hop right now, especially for people our age. Um, the West Side Gun, man, it is soaked in soul samples, man. Very straightforward goon rap, but it's it's still melodic, you know, at the same time. Very niche and, and very, dare I say, artful, even. So because it's, it's such a straightforward album lyrically, it kind of builds its own ceiling as far as what you're going to get. And that doesn't mean that I didn't enjoy it. I most definitely enjoyed it, but because because of where Westside tends to go lyrically, he kind of creates a cap for himself where it's like, you kind of know what to expect, you know, and he doesn't veer off from that formula. Now it's a formula that works, but you take an artist like Freddie Gibbs, who who's giving you a little bit more topic wise and giving you a little bit more versatility as far as what he's talking about. You, you, you can, you can, you can, appreciate so much more from an album like that which is why i'm going with bandana for this one this was very close though um i think the fact that i'm a mad lib stand to influence my decision and just dude freddie just can he can just wrap his butt off um he can wrap over just about any type of production and man once once bandana hits track six it really gets going i, I get what y'all are saying about there were a couple of tracks that he could have nixed half man half cocaine was was one of those songs um and maybe a couple of others one or two others but 
by the time he gets to track six, the, the, the album really gets cooking, man. And it's like, dude, this album is like hot butter melting on a pancake, man, but for your ears. It's, it's soulful and layered and moody, but also versatile. And I, I've said this before about this album, but to me, it plays more like a blues album than a rap album. It, it's it's like, it, it sounds like a blues album which just, just, just so happens to have rapping on it. But there are times where it also goes hard. Like um like with tracks like um situations, uh flat tummy tea. Uh yeah, those those tracks go hard. And but then you got the, the laid back, you know, soulful cuts like Palm Olive and, and Education and, and God Dang and Practice. I love practice. Um it's just man, it's just so bluesy and soulful. Um but then he's got the tracks where he, he goes hard, like freestyle ish massage seats and, and uh what's the other one fake names you know um he just yeah man he just he, he gives you so much man he gives you so much but it does not mean i did not like the the hitler wears herman seven because i most definitely did in fact i don't know what version y'all listen to but the original version of hitler wears herman seven had a track on it called uh undertaker versus goldberg but on a spotify version that song is not on there so if you ever get a chance to check out undertaker versus goldberg check that out it's featuring conway and had they included it on the spotify version it, it's easily the best song on the album because the beat changes up like like halfway through and the beat that they switch it off to is just like oh man it's is Chef's Kiss Griselda, man. Yeah, so so that's the, Undertaker versus Goldberg. Yeah, Undertaker versus Goldberg. It, it was supposed to be on Hitler Wears Herman Seven, but for some reason they removed it on, on the Spotify version. Um, you know, but but yeah, the the I just felt the Freddie Gibbs had a little bit more substance to it. Plus. It, the the guest appearances kind of nailed it for me too you know you had a track with most Def and, and black thought then you had another track with uh killer mike and pusha t and um you know man freddie man he was selling crack 10 years ago and gary you know now he doing tracks with legends that that's hip-hop that punk said i was out there selling selling white boys <laughs> selling white girls to the white boys in joliet <laughs> yeah man but his ability to switch topics and tell stories but but also talk that good ish and talk crazy you know uh, his his versatility is kind of what put it over the edge for me plus plus the outstanding production by by mad lib i i agree <clears throat> it's got some it's got some lows in the album but the high points are really high but uh so i'm giving the edge to bandana um my favorite what, what was y'all's favorite track on uh Hitler Wears Herman Seven? Yeah, I don't necessarily remember the names. But it's like I don't even know if I can say I have a favorite. It's just that I what he does. Um I like I guess you could say Griselda, but even maybe him more than the, the other two guys, even him more than Benny the Butcher and Conway. He um He's against the grain with the way he goes about making his music. Um, mm -hmm. He does nothing. Nothing about him 
is fast RPMs. It's, everything is slow. Yeah. Everything. You you are literally you can't do anything to his music but just nod, you know, nod your head and and, and listen to what he's saying. Like you're not doing any, like nobody nobody's doing you're not two stepping to it, you're not damn to it, you just sitting down, bobbing your head. And like there's something refreshing about that. Indeed, indeed. I really love Kelly's corner with Fat Joe. Yeah. That's yeah. that's that's my cut right there. That um Gondek and um and the track that got cut, <laughs> Undertaker versus Goldberg. Yeah, I would say those are my favorite tracks. The other thing I got in my notes too, the reason why I gave Bandana the edge, every song on Bandana as far as placement, every song sounds like it belongs right where they put it. Um, whereas with the West Side Gun, I, there were a couple of tracks I would have shuffled and put toward the back end of the album and some tracks from the back end I might have put toward the front end of the album. That's that's my That was my only other critique. Yeah, but but with Bandana, the way it plays out from beginning to end, every song is where it is supposed to be from from beginning to end. You know, by the time you get to Soul right at the end, like you're like you you felt like you've had a, a satisfying listening experience, and you know, um, yeah, you're like, man, I, I this has earned its a place in my permanent rotation. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's how I feel about it. But it was, uh, more, it was a more humorous album too. Yeah, that too. That too. For sure. That too. Most definitely. Pootie, y'all still broke. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I, I was, I was going over my notes. I'm like, man, I ain't never put a, a West Side Gun uh, or I don't think any Griselda album in an album face off. Might be right about that. Yeah, I don't think I, I've done them yet. So. But next week we will have a. I, I, I think it's going to be a controversial album face-off. Um, controversial. Don't even say it, even say it yet. <laughs> controversial meaning, I think people are going to lean one way, off top, but, but it's the other way. But if you right, but it's the other way. <laughs> but once you, if you really give the other album a fair listen. It might be the other way. It might go the other way. So I'm, I'm going to get that in store for our season finale next week. Uh, but let's cap off this episode like we always do with a, a segment of What You're Bumping, where I invite y'all to share with the listeners what you've been bumping for the past week or so. Vince, man, what you been bumping? Believe it or not, I went into a Tyler, the creator, um, just... Just been listening. Just was listening to him, like catching his catalog or whatever. Because I had never really officially did it. Just was catching songs here and there. And then um, I heard one song. I had I had saw his his tiny desk concert, and they just like, man, you know what? This dude is annoying and irritating <laughs> and interesting. I'm gonna go check his stuff out. Just see what he got. Then I got I, I, I got a dose of weird dancing and hip hop rock. 
they should call it hip rock. I don't know what that that guy's piece of mouse. See, very creative guy, to say the least. But that's mainly what I was listening to was Tyler the Creator. Then I was kind of making some music a little bit, trying to see what the sound, what I sound like. Um, still trying to finish the studio up though. So, but um, the, of anything of significance was Tyler the Creator. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, all right, Jamil, man, what you been bumping? Uh bumping that uh, Missy Elliott The Real World mm. um, just I was well, that's a, for another story I was I was experimenting with some sounds in the house though and uh, after listening to some Timberland beats I wanted to check that one out so uh, also bumping that uh, Streams of Thought Volume 2 again uh, obviously Biggie Life After Death because I know he was gone Gonna do some stuff with Big this week, and uh, I started. I haven't finished it yet, though. I started listening to um, uh, Prince Paul Psychoanalysis. I don't believe I ever listened to that album all the way through. That that dude, that album is bonkers. That's what's making me listen to it. I was listening to an interview of his, and they were talking about how wild it was. I'm like, well, can't be that bad, can it? Then I remember, wait, this nigga did the grave diggers. It could, it could be that. <laughs> I'm going to listen to it for as long as I can stand it and see what happens. All right. All right. Yeah, there's a track on there, Jamil, where he talks about a date he went on. And, bro, it goes left very quick, man. Um, You'll know it when you hear it. But um, that's Prince Paul for you. Um, Me, myself, I've been bumping. uh, I've been in my instrumental bag this week, man. I was... uh, bumping this dude named Cuddy Fresh called, uh, it's an instrumental project called Bacon Ain't Pork um, and then I was bumping Storm Watkins with his newest album Ascension uh, it's, it's decent, it's a, it's a few cut cuts on there that, that caught my ear um, I was bumping L. Michael's Affair uh, Enter the 37th Chamber uh, the little tribute that they did to Wu-Tang <clears throat> I also was uh, in my Mad Lib bag after listening to Bandana. I was bumping uh, Shades of Blue. Um, mm. uh, it was yeah, it was just time to get into that again. And then I I, I don't know why, but I started off started bumping Most Def's True Magic album, which actually ain't that bad of an album. Um, once you really dive into it, I don't know what made me throw it on. I think I was in the mood to hear Sun Moon and Stars, and then I just ended up listening to the to the whole album you know mr uh i want to be compensated for my art you know most deaf um not a sucker and i don't come from sucker people <laughs> it's like man dude bitch, just put the album out and do some shows and get your cake like the rest of these rappers do <laughs> you know like yeah just whatever all right uh album anniversaries uh this week we got any jamil Yes. Uh, one that was just, eh, alright, but one that's major, major, major cornerstone hip hop. But it's still rough on this week, man. I mean, this 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 first quarter was not good. Because <laughs> I had to go back 15 years to get the first one, um, and that was consequence. Uh, don't quit your day job. Oh snap! Okay. But that's perfectly in line with 
you know, the, the stuff we was talking about with Kanye. But we got a bona fide classic uh, that came out this week, 35 years ago, Criminal Minded by Boogie Down Productions. Oh, wow. Celebrating 35 years yesterday. Wow. Shout out to that album, man. Indeed. All right. That is the show uh, for this evening. Uh, gentlemen, I want to thank y'all for carving some time away from y'all's families to hop on here and, and make the show what it was. As always, next week, next week's show will definitely require some notes. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, when I when I send y'all the syllabus, you know, do do the appropriate research, make notes because next week you definitely will need them. Um, but with that, that is the show. And with that, I'm gonna bid y'all adieu, and I'm gonna say peace. Peace tonight. All I wanna do is sip up on this liquor. 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 All I wanna do is smoke a little chronic. society has to deal with these threats to our lives. We have to deal with the marginalization that has come from the 400 years of slavery that you said for our people was a choice. Frankly, I'm disappointed, I'm appalled, and brother, I am unbelievably hurt by the fact that you have morphed into something, to me, that's not real. narrative that black people don't care about black lives until a white person takes them is false. That is not true. But the problem is, the people that are doing this work in the communities every day, guys all over the place, they don't get 
the type of reverence, they don't get the type of shine, they don't get the type of light spot spotted on them, the spotlight, should I say, that other people do. Those people are the ones that need to be empowered, people that can help Chicago, that can help South Baton Rouge, that can help those places that are working there every day. They doing it and they dedicate their lives to it. But they don't get big up by rappers, they don't get invited to things, they do it for nothing because they have to. So what I'm trying to say is while we have all of these conversations about stuff that gets covered on the news, who's going to talk about what doesn't get covered on the news? Like to me, for, for me, for a lot of years, the dude that inspired me to be more than what I was in that room, that was you. Ask everybody in this room for years, ask everybody in here how many times we've had a Kanye West story and I stood there the only person to defend Kanye West because of what you meant to me. And then after that, you slap me in my face by getting next to people who mean me hard and who are not, who are, who don't even care about the fact, about being honest about the fact that they mean me hard. Fair to Kanye as a man who is in a very unique position of being immensely talented, unfathomably rich, and then mentally unwell. Paradoxically, Kanye's fame and money and notoriety amplifies his illness. It gives him a literal platform and microphone to speak through when he is in a manic state. He seems eternally at war with himself, and many of his battles are televised and broadcast. And you can tell in the music that when he comes back down to earth, back to his senses, that he's not happy with what he's done. Kanye has only gotten worse all the time. He hasn't hit bottom and there's nobody to rein him in. Kanye is literally, possibly the richest black American in the world. He's still insanely good at what he does. Who has the power to tell him what to do? What criticism can be levied at him that won't be brushed off? What platform can he be the platform from? Would any of those things help him or just make us feel like we did something but kind of make the situation worse? And I don't have any good answers for these questions regarding Kanye, which I think makes it most appropriate that I decline to tell any of you how you should respond.